Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. Well, I just want to start, you know, first off, I'm extremely honored and grateful to be the next head football coach at the Indianapolis Colts. I would like to start by thanking Mr. Ursay for believing in me and giving me this opportunity. And I look forward to working with you and building something special here. Thank you to the rest of the Ursay family, Carly, Casey, and Kaylin, for this unbelievable opportunity. I will forever be grateful to you and your family. Thank you to Chris Ballard and the rest of the Colts organization. Again, I'm beyond grateful and can't wait to work with you and the rest of the personnel department. Thank you to the Chargers organization and the Spanos family for a great eight years together. Thank you to Mr. Lurie and the Eagles organization for the past two seasons. I will always be grateful for those memories and friendships that I'll cherish forever. That is a highly emotional Shane Steichen. Now the head coach of the Indianapolis Colts just moments ago. They're uh, at uh, the training facility for the Colts. Tony Katz, good to be with you. Tony Katz today. JMV joins us from 93.51075 The Fan. He is the voice of sports in the great state of Indiana. Uh, you thought this was going to be the pick. This was the top name for a couple uh, of days. It wasn't done deal yesterday. It took until today. Talk to me uh, about this hire. Talk to me about how the Colts organization is feeling right now. Well, this is the guy that um, apparently in all these conversations they had, all the interviews they had, all the time during those interviews, Tony, that they had. Uh, this is the guy that most impressed them. Now, there was nothing like, well, he blew our doors off or anything like that you normally get when somebody is hired. But uh, clearly that both the uh, the owner, Jim Irsay, and general manager, Chris Ballard, uh, incredibly impressed with not only – uh, the guy and what he said, talking about his philosophies of football, what he's going to bring with him as a first-time head coach, what he has gathered along the way, whether it was with the Chargers or the Eagles the past couple of years. Here's what stood out to me, and I love this, and it's probably nothing, Tony, but I love the fact that when he was thanking the players that he has worked with in the past, it always seemed like they were all highly, highly talented skill position players. And that's what we need to focus in on now. That's what this team needs. Because you can bring the guy that was just the offensive coordinator from the Eagles in the Super Bowl, but you can't bring Jalen Hurts, you can't bring A.J. Brown, or you can't bring Dallas Goddard, anybody like that. So it's going to be up to Chris Ballard now to put together these pieces so this guy can go out and coach offense at a high level. Maybe and that is – Yes, maybe even beyond that too, Tony, in closing, is he um, is going to call the plays himself. We were all kind of wondering if the offensive coordinator, whomever that is he brings in, will call the plays. But no, Shane Steichen said today that as the head coach, he will call the plays himself. And Nick Sirianni did that through the season a year ago and then decided to go ahead and hand over the reins to Shane Steichen, who did it, and then ultimately they went to the Super Bowl this year. So I wonder if that is going to be – something that works out for him, but clearly it's something he wants to do, call the plays himself. Before we get to all the ingredients needed to cook the meal, to uh, paraphrase Bill Parcells, let's get into the idea of who wasn't taken. Uh, Aaron, uh, I forget his last name, with, with uh, the Lions. I can't believe I just blanked on his last name. Eric Bieniemy of, of the Chiefs. Aaron Glenn, thank you. Uh, uh, Eric Bieniemy of the Chiefs. Jeff Saturday 
of the Colts, and I'm curious as to where he lands. Um, they interviewed everybody, including your Meemaw, JMV, <laughs> settling on Shane Steichen. And I don't think it's necessarily settling. I think people are going to say, good pick, good waiting it out. Things fell nice for the Indianapolis Colts. Um, but what about these other guys? What was it about them that didn't work? And then the follow-up is specifically to Jeff Saturday. What's next for him in this organization? Because he made it clear he wants yep. to be here. Well, I mean, Jeff Saturday sent out a video about the same time as this press conference started, thanking everybody around here and actually jokingly referring to the petition that was released and had all those signatures from Colts fans stating they did not want him as the next head coach that they end up sending to Jim Ursa. He kind of made some comedy remedies of that just a little bit. But he was doing what Jeff Saturday would do, thanking everybody, being incredibly cordial, being high class. I don't think there's a spot he may get back in some consultation role that he had prior to. I don't even know to what degree that is. But before he got hired as the interim head coach, he also worked at ESPN, and he was had a role as a consultant. So maybe there's that. But I would guess with Jeff Saturday, Tony, all signs point on him going back to Bristol and doing ESPN and talking up the NFL. Now, you mentioned the other candidates. Aaron Glenn is a defensive side of the football guy. Raheem Morris was a, a former head coach, but he's also a defensive side of the football guy. And I think thoroughly here they wanted to go offensive philosophy. And if you don't want to bring somebody in, which I felt I thought was necessary, we'll see. I thought they needed somebody with a been there, done that mentality for this group. They clearly don't feel that. But if you want a guy that's a first-timer, that's all about offense. We have seen what has been the results at a high level of his offensive philosophies. He's 37 years old. If you're going to go offense and first-timer, that would seemingly be the guy to go with. Talking to JMV, the official voice of sports in the state of Indiana, now we take a look at what he walks into. He's getting high praise as Shane Steichen, the new head coach of the Indianapolis Colts, from Philip Rivers, who he worked with in in San Diego. Uh, he's getting high praise from Norv Turner. Oh, this is great. This is fantastic. This is wonderful. Philip Rivers isn't coming out of retirement. So now you got to go about finding yourself a quarterback. So first things first would be the admission that it's not Matt Ryan and he's absolutely on the chopping block or the trading block or whatever the case may be. And then comes the big number two. The Colts are at number four in the, tra- in, uh, in the draft. The Bears are at number one. But the Bears have Justin Fields. They're not looking for a quarterback. Are you trading up? And is Ballard willing to give away the entire farm for Shane Steichen to get his quarterback? And was that part of the negotiation? Well, something that's interesting here, and, and Chris Ballard was asked the question about, you know, the the draft. And, you know, in, in particular, Shane Steichen worked with Jalen Hurts, and Jalen Hurts was acquired in the second round, and actually the Eagles traded back and then selected Jalen Hurts. So everybody got a laugh out of that. And then Jim Mercer kind of jumps in and says, you know, we like that guy out of Alabama too, uh, which clearly would mean Bryce Young. So you would have to, again, right now, who knows, Combine hasn't taken place yet. But you would have to right now seemingly trade up to get Bryce Young. Uh, but Jim Irsay didn't mean that. And Jim Irsay also alluded to early on the press conference, Tony, that they were going to be moving forward with a younger quarterback. So all signs are they're going to draft one. I guess it just comes down to whether 
or not the guy that they really truly believe in and want Tony will be there at four. Because I've said this before, if he isn't, you got to go by all means necessary. You got to get up and make sure you get it. You get the person you believe in when you're at this point, you don't settle. And I don't know if we'll ever hear about this team settling regardless, but you find out hard target what you want and wherever it is, you go and get it. If that means you get up to number one, you get up to number one. And I would agree that Jim Ursay probably would say the same thing regarding what you're going to do with the future at the quarterback here. So we are agreed on certain things. Matt Ryan is done yeah. as an Indianapolis Colt. No, I'm seeing, I mean, unless he's going to back up here, I can't quite see that. I, at this point, you brought up something in this question you just asked me a moment ago uh, about moving forward here with, with the, a young quarterback and such and how the importance level is just major. It is. And, in fact, I think you could also make a point that it's more important than hiring Shane Steichen today is getting this long-term future quarterback right. That is what is going to ultimately dig you out of this hole that you have been in. Now, again, I'm not taking anything away from how high quality your head coach has to be, but the most important maneuver you make in this offseason is who you pick, who you believe in to lead this team under center on the field. To me, it's highly more important than the head coach that you hire. Talking with JMV from 93.5107.5 The Fan in Indianapolis. Um, You're Shane Steichen. You get a head coaching opportunity. You're going to take your head coaching uh, uh, opportunities. You take it with the Colts. You see the problems with the Colts. Uh, And so to take the gig, you have to believe two things. A, that this is an ownership and a leadership that really does want to win. And B, it's an ownership and a leadership that really is going to allow you to do your thing to get to the the, the win. When you see the people who had kind of like bowed out of this, you know, people are staying. The Lions, uh, uh, their, their defensive guy, Campbell, I believe it was. No, not Campbell. I forget his name. I don't know. I have a total blank on the Detroit Lions. Um, you take a look at some of these people. Were there some people who would have been better fits or – um, you would have rather have seen than Shane Steichen who said no to this team because there wasn't faith in Ursay, Or is there still faith that Ursay is a football guy who's going to let guys who know how to play football win? No, Tony, my whole thought about this at the very beginning, and you can remember, is I thought that Jim, Jim Harbaugh was absolutely perfect. If he would have wanted the job, to me, it would have been malpractice had the Colts not wanted him for the job. I don't know how all that ended up shaking out. I don't know if the Colts had any interest or if Jim Harbaugh just said, you know what, I don't have any interest in you, even though he had conversations with Denver a couple of different times, but ultimately decided to stay in Ann Arbor. I I think that he's perfect because I think you need a been there and done that type of mentality at an elite level and an elite level coach who also has a great a great philosophy on offense as well. I, I thought he would be perfect, but he was either unavailable or he had zero interest. So that I understand that if you're going to go young and you're going to go in the line of high level, high caliber, elite offense, you know, you kind of roll the dice and take your chances on Shane Steichen. So I, I think they did the best that they could given the circumstances, but it remains to be seen if that certain quality 
uh, been there, done that, respectability from a, a Harbaugh type, for example, if that is a quality that we find out that they actually need. We'll see. By the way, you take a look at the um, scouting reports. Bryce Young is top-ranked, then C.J. Stroud of Ohio State, then uh, Will Levis. Uh, also uh, in 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 that group, uh, there are people who have uh, discussed the fact that if Levis did, he's uh, down in Louisville, not Louisville, wherever he is, Kentucky. Um, yeah, Kentucky. Thank you. Uh, I did say I did say Louisville. I was close. And that if he didn't play for Kentucky, he'd be everybody's top contender. Uh, out of these three, you care who the Colts land? Um, I, I said this before too, and this is a small sample size. I love C.J. Stroud from Ohio State, and I love him based upon what I saw in that national semifinal against a high-quality national championship Georgia team. That's what I love out of him, and he showed me something in that game against that high-caliber athlete. He was able to move around. He was able to extend the play, which I think we have seen this here in Indy. That is necessary with what we've seen from this offensive line. He's got a great arm. Now, those that suggest I'm wrong will say Ohio State quarterbacks inevitably will fail. Look at all the wide receivers he has. In Columbus, they'll be better than the ones he goes to here, uh, NFL-wise, whatever. And I'm going from a small sample size. But I like C.J. Stroud in this draft more than I do Bryce Young, more than I do Will Levis. We'll see if anybody else agrees with me. We'll see if he's available at four or if they have to trade up. But that's where I would start is C.J. Stroud of Ohio State. The odds that the Colts trade up, give it to me right now. Um, I think they're pretty good. I think they may be forced into having to. Unless they like Levis. They may like Levis. The thing about Levis is unfair for me, too, Tony, is because I've seen him play this past year in the SEC, and he didn't look very good whatsoever. And people tell me that like him, well, he didn't have the weapons, which would be familiar here. Uh, And he's playing against high-level SEC talent, and his team wasn't very good. I just like Stroud. I, I think that you may have to maneuver in this draft if you view your guy certainly at the top you might have to maneuver if you view your guy being in the top two. So I'll say 50-50, maybe a little bit more than 50-50 right now with a trade-up possibility if I were going to wager. JMV, 93.5, The Fan, the voice of Indiana sports. I appreciate you taking the time. Uh, Coach Sykin, welcome to Indianapolis. Keep it here. This is Tony Katz today. Dow is down 132. The NASDAQ is up 27. And as we discussed, um, inflation is up. But don't worry, the White House still wants to tell you that everything is just peachy. Well, this report suggests that we have an economy that is resilient, an economy where we see inflation continuing to ease with a labor market that remains robust. So what we learned today is that inflation year on year has come down for seven straight months in a row. Uh, The month on month increases uh, were at expectations. Uh, They were uh, they were stable. So it was the same month on month increase in terms of core inflation. We did see uh, an increase in headline inflation because gas prices increased in January compared to December. But we can already see in February that gas prices have declined. So we are we continue to see that inflation is showing signs of easing. 
as uh, Chair Powell has said, this is going to be a process. Inflation remains too high, but we're making the progress we need to see uh, in order to achieve the softish landing where the, the inflation comes down and the labor market remains robust. Robust, I believe, is the word she's looking for. So your answer is, yeah, things went up, but it'll get better someday. And that's when, you know, that'll prove that we were right. Like when they referred to inflation as transitory. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. Guys, what is going on? 833, got Tony. 833-468-8669. This is... This is madness. But it's exactly what you would expect. Why should the administration have to ex- uh, explain to Americans, yeah, it's going to take a lot of work to get inflation down. One of the things we need to do is stop spending, and we haven't done that. Instead, say everything was within expectations. No, everything exceeded expectations. You exceeded expectations on total inflation. You exceeded expectations on core, which excludes food and energy. The expectations were wrong. The inflation was higher. That's what happened. But your response is, don't worry, eventually we'll be proven right because we'll tell you we were right. We'll be like, see, we knew it the whole time. What do people do between now and then? Well, we'll, we'll, we'll be right, and so that's when we'll tell you we were right. And you'll be like, wow, they really were right. I shouldn't have worried. And uh, uh, the fact that I, you can't afford a house or, or a car or that we've lost our savings because of price increases, well, uh, they were right, and, and that's what matters most. Now, if you're looking for a little extra scratch, may I suggest suing Shake Shack for misgendering you? The California Civil Rights Department reaching a pre-litigation settlement with Shake Shack. They serve burgers and shakes. Resolving a former employee's complaint of discrimination, harassment, and retaliation based on gender identity and gender expression. So the the, uh, employee was trained in San Francisco before being assigned to work at the Oakland location. That's where the complaints were. And uh, intentional misgendering and other forms of discrimination based on gender identity and gender expression can be stressful and traumatic. The Civil Rights Division appreciates Shake Shack's acknowledgement of its responsibility to provide a discrimination-free environment to its workforce. If you force me to use pronouns, that to me is discrimination. Do I get to sue? I need to know. I need to know. Do I get to sue? Gosh, it's, this, is, this is really important. This is really important. I'm not telling people that they can't live their lives, and if you want to utilize a certain name, I'd never question anybody's name before, but if you tell me I have to use certain pronouns, that is an attack on me. It's a violation of my rights. I consider it assault akin with any other assault you can think of. Uh, it shakes me to my core, and I, I uh, to, to be forced to do that is to do, be forced to do something against my will, which is something I find reprehensible, and therefore uh, a lawsuit has to take place. Don't tell me how I feel. I just told you how I feel. When you engage in force regarding pronouns. I'm sorry for Shake Shack. I'm sorry for anybody who's in a uh, retail business right now. But until you fight back against this stuff, you will deal with this stuff. 
Find everything. TonyCats.locals.com. This is Tony Katz today. direction again. Republicans have lost the popular vote in seven out of the last eight presidential elections. That has to change. Joe Biden's record is abysmal, but that shouldn't come as a surprise. The Washington establishment has failed us over and over and over again. It's time for a new generation of leadership to rediscover fiscal responsibility secure our border, and strengthen our country, our pride, and our purpose. Some people look at America and see vulnerability. The socialist left sees an opportunity to rewrite history. China and Russia are on the march. They all think we can be bullied, kicked around. You should know this about me. I don't put up with bullies. And when you kick back, it hurts them more if you're wearing heels. I'm Nikki Haley, and I'm running for president. And there it is. Stand for America. Nikki Haley. Paid for by Nikki Haley for president. She has not paid this program. I was just sharing the news. Tony Katz, good to be with you. Tony Katz today. What is going down? 833-GOT-TONY. 833-468-8669. You voting for Nikki or what? What's your... What's your plan? She's running. Yes, she said that if Trump ran, she wasn't going to run. Well, this is politics, and she's running. She's not loyal. She doesn't care. There is nothing that the Trump supporter could say to her that's going to make her care because you are not her voter yet. What's Nikki Haley's lane? How does Nikki Haley get from point A to point B? Well, that's a very, very good question. Because she, like what Sarah Huckabee Sanders, the governor of Arkansas, said in her rebuttal to Joe Biden and the State of the Union, talking about this idea of new generation. More talk about new generation. When uh, Senator John Kennedy of Louisiana was asked about this on Fox News by uh, Brian Kilmeade. It's time for a new generation of leadership to rediscover fiscal responsibility. They played the the ad. I don't don't think we need to hear the ad anymore, do we? we? I've, I've heard enough of the ad. Thank you. Thank you very much. But what does the senator think? To do a little more than just say, I'm young. Um, I, I think competition makes all of us better. I think you'll see other people get in the race. But they need to talk straight up to the American people, uh, tell them what they believe, don't lie. Uh, if they've changed their mind on something, explain why they changed their mind. But more important, tell us what they would propose in their first uh, 100 days or one year in office. Yep. And don't just complain. Well, he's not wrong about that. I think that that Senator Kennedy is uh, discounting the idea of youth. Look at the comparison. If Joe Biden were to be elected, he'd be 82 years old. 82. 
there is a comparison to make regarding age. Now, of course, the usual suspects, being all usual suspecty, like, for example, I know, I know, I hate it, uh, from The View. But, you know... As governor, they keep on saying her defining moment uh, was signing legislation removing the Confederate flag from the state capitol. She only did that after the massacre that happened at the Emanuel Church that I actually covered and spoke to those family members. She only did that. And then let's remember that after Trump came, by 2019, she was defending the Confederate flag. She said that the Charleston church shooter had hijacked the Confederate flag. No, ma'am, the Confederate flag had always been hijacked. And that, then she said that people saw it as service, sacrifice, and heritage. I see it as heresy as a person of color in this country. And so when she wants to... Uh, say the right thing. I think she's very much a political grifter and a chameleon. And the bar is very low because it's on the ground. Yeah. But I no, don't it's think below the ground. It's below the ground. It's in, it's in the, I it's don't in a, see her a as a step up from anything. You're not going to see anybody as a step up from anything. You want to talk about grifters, but you don't call out Black Lives Matter. Sonny, please. Oh, I'm sorry. Asuncion, step to the side and sit down. I know what you're going to say. I don't have to step to the side. You're right. You don't absolutely don't have to step to the side. Neither do I. I don't take you at your word when you engage the idea of Nikki Haley as grifter. But the ladies of The View weren't done. Well, she's part of the invasion of the body snatchers. You know, there are these, there are these politicians on the right who now have become, like, mentally crazy, you know. But her problem is that, you know, not only was she a big uh, Trump supporter, and ele- she's an election denier, too, isn't she? Yeah. At, one she? Point, at one point. At one point, she was. She changed, she flip-flopped on that. Yeah. But she also backed Herschel Walker, one of the worst candidates we've ever had. I mean, second only, may- or second only to George Santos, maybe. Yeah. You know, and... That was uh, terrifying, yeah. actually, that she yeah. did that. So... I- wasn't terrifying that she did that. I'd take Herschel Walker over Raphael Warnock. Not even a question. I would take Herschel Walker over Raphael Warnock. This is not a question of whether I think Herschel Walker is uh, the most prime example of an upstanding human being. Raphael Warnock? who takes thousands of dollars in housing expenses and yet evicts people from the housing uh, offered by by his church. I th- th- there's a lot of worthy stories that would share that would explain to you that Raphael Warnock isn't necessarily the choice. The the the, the pastor there is the reverend is the uh, reverend reverend and uh, pro choice. Eh, I might not get my vote. Might not get my vote. Oh, yes, but but Herschel Walker paid for people to have abortions. You're right. You're right. That that may very well have happened. But he's not going to vote for the legalization of abortion. The argument that he can't change his mind is certainly a radical one. Note I didn't say great candidate. I said in terms of getting what I would want, better candidate than Raphael Warnock. Better on on financial issues. And you say to me, he doesn't really understand the financial issues. He's just going to go with the flow. You mean like John Fetterman? You mean like, I don't know, umpteen members of Congress that I could name today? 
You're not going to get me to disagree on these things. It's what he's going to vote for would work better for a free uh, society. For a society that doesn't think that abortion should be willy-nilly. Just an example. I don't think that Nikki Haley supporting Herschel Walker moves anything. I do wonder why it is that women aren't supporting women in this case. I'm shocked by this. I thought women were supposed to support women. That's what I was told time and time and time and time again. It wouldn't matter what Republican ran for people on the political left. And you can argue, well, Tony, it may not argue what uh, Democrat runs for people on the political right. I think this is true. I think that's true in a lot of ways, in a lot of cases. What creates the level of breaking uh, the, the, the middle in your direction? Well, Nikki Haley may be on to a couple of things here. If she can be seen as reasonable. I don't think there's enough credit given to Sarah Huckabee Sanders and this rebuttal to the State of the Union where she laid out in very, very clear terms that what we're talking about here is not about the right versus the left. Here is what she said. I'm the first woman to lead my state. And he's the first man to surrender his presidency to a woke mob that can't even tell you what a woman is. In the radical left's America, Washington taxes you and lights your hard-earned money on fire. But you get crushed with high gas prices, empty grocery shelves, and our children are taught to hate one another on account of their race, but not to love one another or our great country. Whether Joe Biden believes this madness or is simply too weak to resist it, his administration has been completely hijacked by the radical left. The dividing line in America is no longer between right or left. The choice is between normal or crazy. It's time for a new generation of Republican leadership. Again, with the new generation talk, it's a choice between normal or crazy. And the left is crazy. And I think you're going to start hearing that refrain. They're crazy. You think I have to use certain pronouns. You think I have to worship certain flags. You think uh, that I have to change my life. You won't leave me alone. You people are crazy. Oh, you people on the right, you think a 10-year-old should uh, give birth. We don't think people should be raped. But that has nothing to do with whether or not we think that life matters. The conversation has nuance, you crazy person. But they're able to use arguments that are very, very simplistic because it's very emotional. Do you want to force a 10-year-old to have have an abortion? I don't want a 10-year-old being raped. Or do you want to force a 10-year-old to have a child? I don't want a 10-year-old being raped. I don't even know if a 10-year-old could deliver a baby. It's a horrific thought. It's a horrific thought. 
But maybe while we're on this subject, we shouldn't be in favor of the idea of children having agency and being able to determine hmm, their own gender or engage their own decisions on their medical future and then deciding who they love with adults, grown men and women waiting in the wings and actually proactively trying to, yes, groom children for this. You crazy people. I think that's what's going to come down. I think that argument is going to move. So the question is, can Nikki Haley grab some of those people? Like, yeah, I'm I'm tired of the crazy. The answer is, I believe she can, but certainly not enough to make her a player um, for the nomination. Now, I've lived long enough to know that crazy things happen. I know this because Joe Biden is president. And I said the words, Joe Biden is not going to get the nomination. Joe Biden is not going to win the presidency. I went 0 for 2. COVID changed everything. So, of course, there are possibilities. There are reasons to run. Just like uh, we're hearing that Senator Tim Scott of South Carolina may be running, there are reasons to run. This keeps Nikki Haley on a short list for vice president. Very, very possible. It keeps her on a, in a conversation for cabinet. Absolutely possible. I don't, th- I don't think there's this great hate for Nikki Haley. I just don't think she's, she's top of mind for people. That's all. I don't think she's the first choice anywhere. But she might be a consensus third choice somewhere. So you might as well be in it. She's not wrong. She gets to now speak uh, in, uh, on these subjects. She gets interviewed on these subjects. And she's not going to worry about Trump. Whatever Trump says about her, she's going to be like, whatever. It won't matter because she's not getting that voter anyway. So she's in the race. Uh, the, the ladies of The View are worried about uh, grifters, which is you know, nice to know. Very, very nice to know that they're now worried about grifters. It's finally. Whew. Indeed. We will keep up with this as more people get into the race, because I think you'll see that very, very quickly. Meanwhile, there was a train derailment in Ohio. Why is no one talking about this thing? Keep it here. I'm Tony Katz. chemicals that were on board the Norfolk Southern train that derailed here in East Palestine just over a week ago. And we're being told that some of those chemicals are dangerous. We basically nuked a town with chemicals so we could get a railroad open. The U.S. Environmental Protection Agency sent a letter to Norfolk Southern stating that ethylene glycol monobutyl ether acrylate and isobutylene were also in the rail cars that were derailed, breached, or on fire. Caggiano says acrylate is especially worrisome. He says it's a carcinogen, and contact with it can cause burning and irritation in the skin and eyes. Breathing it in can irritate the nose, throat, and cause coughing and shortness of breath. This was a train derailment in East Palestine. Now, it took me a little while because I, I, I was looking it up, and there's a there's a, a, a Palestine, which I thought they pronounced Palestine, on the western side of Ohio. This is on the eastern side of Ohio, southeast of Youngstown, near Pennsylvania. This train derails 50 cars. It is an explosion of chemicals in the air. 
And there is this guy on local news by the name of uh, Sil uh, Cagiano, or Cagiano, a hazardous materials expert who literally says, we basically nuked the town with chemicals so we can get a railroad open. There are a couple of pieces to this story. This story that isn't getting press anywhere. If there was any other city, you would think, where you had chemicals exploding, environmental impact, you'd be like, it's Flint, people, it's Flint, except for air quality instead of water quality, talking about Flint, Michigan, and you would picture there would be nothing but coverage. There's no coverage. This is the craziest thing in the world. The EPA telling people, well, you know, we've checked the air samples and everything's fine. Everything's been at normal concentrations. What you would find in almost any community operating outside. This according to James Justice with the Environmental Protection Agency. What are you kidding? People in this area are supposed to believe that? Well, there's something else in in dealing with these cars, these train cars that are overturned, and what do you do about the chemicals inside? Some of them they've engaged controlled burns in. They literally burned everything off. Well, what what what's the effect of that? I'm not even arguing not having enough of expertise in the subject, whether or not that should have been done. I'm asking what is the effect on the people who live there? And the bigger question. You have a train derailment that was over a week ago. Why is no one talking about this? I'm taking in as much information as I can. If you have some, send it to me. Tony at TonyCats.com. I'd love to see it. Tony at TonyCats.com. This right here is Tony Cats Today.